people will ask me if I'm excited. I'm like, I think I will be. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Booted Sisters. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rachel. This is our conversational journal of my time as American living abroad in Italy while trying to stay in touch with my sister. So in this first episode, we're going to talk to Rachel right as she's about to leave for Italy, and we're going to talk about her goals for her time abroad. We'll get a little bit more into what the purpose of the podcast is. And then we skip to a week later where she has landed in Italy, and she tells us a little bit about her first week living in Italy. So please enjoy. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hello. How's it going? Good. Where are you? I am in the American Express Lounge at the Providence Airport. I had the idea to use your airport sitting around time versus. Yeah, smart. Since you had a busy week. Um, But I think it's really important that we get documented kind of what you're thinking about going into this because you're literally about to move. And you've been going through a lot in the last several months of like leaving Japan, being in the U.S. and preparing for this. I think it'd be really useful to have this as like a starting point. And then in the future, you can be like, I can't believe I was thinking that way. Or I'm glad I remember that I said that because I, you know, would maybe lose track of that mindset, but I want to not lose track of it. That kind of thing. So that's the main thing. Yeah. So I would probably put it in two broad categories of the professional goals I have. And then the the personal goals I have, because this is a really weird later 20s, approaching 30 kind of time in my life where I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety, like particularly because everything in my life up to this moment has been very scripted, right? Very much like X leads to Y. So a lot of it is thinking about what kind of skills I want to develop to kind of start thinking for the next thing in my career, because deciding to take this job was definitely a step away from what my career was, was set up for. Um, so there's some anxiety and like, in terms of not knowing what's going to come next. So what I would like to do is like make good use out of it. You know, if I could take classes or language classes, that'd be great. But at a minimum, I want to learn as much as I can in the job that I have, because there's a lot of different types of skills and qualifications I can get. And I think that would set me up well. So for language classes, specifically Italian or other languages or? Probably prioritize seeing Spanish through because it's probably the the best chance I have or French. I think those are two that would really like actually help me out. And then I think just kind of conversational Italian is attainable. But in terms of thinking ahead, I think um, if I could set up classes for either of those two, that would be where my preference would be. What else? And then, yeah, there's just a lot of cool kind of office side of things, right? How to run our office, how to be a member of an office team and planning team that I can learn here, which are pretty marketable skills in the professional world in general for the kind of jobs I'd be looking into. So that's really mm-hmm. my professional goal is to continue to move for that. I think I've thought about online masters and I think that's, that's why I'm settling more on language because I think it'd be a little bit more attainable for the setup I'm going to have. 
but I'll look into it. So those are my professional goals. So you're potentially thinking about doing a master's while you're abroad, but that was more something you used to think about as like, oh, I definitely want to do that. And now you're like, not necessarily completely letting go of the idea, but more likely you're going to focus on learning a language and maybe do a master's later or not. Not right. It doesn't like, while there are a lot of good online programs that I want to look into, I'm kind of leaning more towards just like one single attainable goal, like a language. Um, yeah. So real quick before, cause I know you said a lot and we're going to get into the second category and stuff, but before we go too deep, was this something you've been thinking about a lot or right now while we're talking about it, are you really sitting down and thinking about it more? It's been pretty much since I showed back up in the States that I've been thinking about like, all right, I'm feeling some anxiety about this big change in my life. How do I gain some semblance of control and what, how do I make it like a productive time in my life as I approach 30 and approach the end of one career and looking to start another. And so it started with like, Oh, I'd always envisioned this time period as being when I get a master's that could still work, but that'd be, you know, take a lot of coordination. What else could I do to make it worthwhile? And language seems like something that could push me towards a, you know, productive you know, time well spent. Nice. Okay, cool. So just to recap, so first category, like more kind of career professional based goals, um, not necessarily masters potentially, but probably not, but some sort of learning component in a structured mm-hmm. way, which now you're thinking more, how about I learn a language or how about I enhance the languages I sort of have learned. And then the other thing you mainly talked about was like just getting some skills in more of like an office traditional job type setting and just like the professional skills that come all the stuff that I learned in business school, or I guess in just being a a person who has a boring desk job to a degree. Is that kind of a good way to summarize? Yeah, essentially. Um, And then my job is kind of planning team oriented. So specifically the skill sets that come with them. planning operations and stuff like that and and turning that into a marketable resume bullet. Cool. Well, let's get into your second category then. Yeah. So the next one is like way broader personal. And I think this is the one where it does help me feel a little bit more at ease with the move because the reason I got on this career path in the first place was travel. And the last few years have really kind of taken a hit on that front. So remembering that is is really helping me to feel more excited to move to Italy Um, because as of right now, it is fairly easy to to travel around the continent. And I think my weekends, my time off um, will be filled nicely with a lot of new experiences. So within Italy itself, right, I'd like to take some cooking classes or at least get some exposure to Italian cooking that I could bring back, try a new piece of cuisine every week and see as many like different regions because it is pretty diverse, right? From the South to the North and all the, the different terrain. Like there's a lot of different types of things you can see and just so much history. So I would like to do a lot of like things internal to Italy. And then on the weekends, try to take the train to whatever country I haven't seen yet, you know, all that kind of stuff. So making sure that I don't overextend myself every weekend or anything like that, but by the end of it, have as many continental Western European countries on the list checked off as I can. Okay. Real quick on the spot while we have you again in the airport before you have flown to Italy. What is like, if you had to pick one city or like maybe two or three cities that you definitely want to visit while you're in Europe, what are they? Like just off the top of your head, something that like absolutely stands out is like, I got to go. 
Oh my god, it's impossible. Um, so honestly, I have really been interested in Prague for a few years now. Um, and then I just read that Madeleine Albright history of Czech that really makes me want to, to actually see it. And, and it sounds beautiful. So Prague, I, I have to go to Spain. I just have to go to Spain for sure. And then um, the UK has always been really high on my list. But I think in particular among the British Isles, I want to go to Ireland. Um, so Prague, Spain, and Ireland are, are musts, which I understand two of those aren't cities, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Okay. That is very broad too. I would say those are really different, like almost as different as you can get within the category you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ireland is something that since I was a child, I've always romanticized. I, I'm sure it's got something to do with our mother or some movie we watched at some point in our childhood or, or just, you know, um, our grandparents, um, and that kind of stuff. But Ireland's probably the first country I can remember specifically wanting to see. So that's pretty high on my list. Um, and then Prague has been more recent. My college roommate went there and like, that's when I first actually kind of started thinking about it. Like she went there with her parents a long time ago. Um, and then reading this book has recently researched my desire to see it. And then Spain, partly because that's, you know, the language that I studied for a while. And, um, partly just based on anecdotes from what people have said about it. It's just somewhere that I think would be really cool. And then with that, obviously I want to go everywhere and see everything, but I feel like France and Germany, there's going to be a lot of opportunities in my life to see those places. Like those are pretty high on everybody's list. So tends to be a lot of routes to those places, but the, these three are kind of places that I feel like I need to make the effort while I'm around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Well, cool. I'm glad we have that recorded set in stone your initial, like without thinking ahead reaction to that question. So now we can hold you accountable to visiting those countries. <laughs> Thank you. That's very fair. <laughs> Okay. So that was personal, like travel focus. Was there anything else you wanted to cover in the personal goals? Um, food. Um, I think we kind of touched on that a little bit, but specifically Italian food. I want every week to be able to report something that I've tried that I hadn't had before, or at least like a restaurant that I hadn't been to before. And I really do want to take some classes, even just a little bit of pasta making. If I can learn to make pasta better than Mary Kate can, I think that'd be hilarious. Um, <laughs> have you watched or did you ever read I may have suggested this to you multiple times in the past but have you read or watched from scratch it's newly on Netflix uh and it's a memoir that I read a couple years ago I think you you were telling me about it maybe when I was there um last month but I have not so far, I've only watched a couple of the episodes on Netflix, so I guess I can't give it like too full of a review, but it's Italian food as a main theme of the story. So I uh, would definitely recommend to make you salivate, but I guess you're about to be there anyway, <laughs> and you will be salivating without any extra anything needed, I, but uh, maybe I'll keep watching it so that I can salivate from here. I really enjoyed salt, fat, acid, heat, and I was able to identify with the Japanese episode. And now I'm looking forward to be able to connect the dots on the Italian episode. Although that's the one where they like go to a butcher and stuff like that. So at least on the, the bread making side, I'll, I'll really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Um, for some other like pre-moving questions that I have for you, I guess, or just like what you're thinking about. 
Um, I think one thing we should kind of touch on our thought process on this and like why we wanted to do that. So for me, what comes okay. to mind is like our conversations talking about this were like, you were just abroad for years and it was a very different experience than what you're about to walk into. So where's your mind at with that compared to like your time in Japan versus, and I kind of think we should do at some point, maybe some episodes where we talk a bit about you reflecting on your time in Japan in ways that you like, we haven't talked about yet and that kind of thing, but like, John connections. And yeah. Stuff. But maybe even more broadly, like your time in Japan and what you got out of being abroad for that time, which had lots of different factors compared to what you're about to walk into. But like, I don't know, where's your mind at with like the differences between those and like maybe goals focused on like what you weren't able to do in Japan or what you were able to do in Japan or any surprises about living abroad that like, even though this is a completely different version of living abroad, like anything that you feel more or less prepared for maybe like just any of your thoughts around that. It's so hard because so much of my experience was influenced by the pandemic and my thoughts going into that time abroad that was before the pandemic right so I had my expectations and then there was the reality so that it's, it's kind of hard to compare just because what I was hoping to experience ended up not happening and it wasn't anything predictable right um, so I think hoping just for a little bit more steady state right just a more predictable experience, more regular experience. And the other side of that too is the job, right? I'm, I'm going to have a little bit more of a regular schedule. And I think that's going to be huge for actually like integrating in the country a little bit more and having the time to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I think once I found spots that I liked in Japan, I tended to go to the same places, do the same things because I didn't have a lot of time, right? So it was like, all right, I know I'm going to like this bowl of ramen. I'm going to go to this ramen shop, right? Um, and we did do some some new things, new challenges, and we, we traveled a fair bit within the country, but a lot of it was working off of other people's recommendations, going with well-known options. And I think since I'm going to have, you know, a little bit more of a routine, it'll be easier to not just need a sure thing um, and have some, some adventures and misadventures, right? Be willing to go out on a limb on some things a little bit more and get outside my comfort zone a bit. Um, and the other difference is Japan was very much a social thing for me, right? Where I was working was very much based on making these incredibly close friends in a big friend group where we did everything together. And I have no doubt that I'm going to have that in Italy to an extent, but it's not the same environment. I think there's going to be a little bit more of solo journeying and meeting up with other friends, like just having like not the same people every weekend, if that makes sense. So I think it'll be more about experiencing the country and not just doing things for the purpose of social things, if that makes sense. Like going out for the purpose of a travel experience versus going out for the purpose of being with friends. Yeah. That really makes sense, but yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, Do you think when it comes to like before you left for Japan versus before you're leaving for this, like because of how your expectations were just completely flipped upside down with the pandemic, not to expect something that big to happen again or anything like that, but because of how much your expectations were flopped going into the last time you moved abroad, do you feel at all like you're going in with like lower expectations, almost too low or like just more managed and more realistic? I mean, it doesn't sound like you are, but I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think it showed me what I want to prioritize. And I think that's one of the reasons this podcast idea came about. I want to do a better job of 
staying connected with you guys back home and finding ways to, to do more trips back and forth. So I think that's the biggest difference is I know that I can't just commit all of my time and attention to Italy, that I need to have a very solid, a very um, frequent connection back to the States and that I can't really compromise on that um, just in terms of the length of time I've been away um, and just mental health and everything. Like I, I think that's what it taught me is that like I really need to find a consistent routine way to keep all of you guys in my life and feel connected. That's a good answer. There's also different hurdles in the way besides the pandemic and besides your mindset. So that's like, I think important to know, like it's a different situation, but uh, that makes a lot of sense that that's like what you're thinking about. Here's another way to ask sort of the same question, but I'm curious if you have any different answer thinking about it this way. Imagine you never went to Japan and it's 2019 and you're moving to Italy with this job right now. What's the difference in your mindset then versus what your actual mindset is now having had that Japan and COVID experience? Well, I think the the answer to the question of like um, the first one when I was talking about social things, I think it would be reversed. I think I'd be going in like with this, like, let's go wild party, forget everybody and just live a hedonistic life for three years. Like, <laughs> like I think I'd be the complete opposite um, in terms of, of what I want. I'd probably burn out pretty quickly. Um, but I think that would be where my mind's at. I'd have a little bit more energy, I guess is the word for it. Um, and more of a, an interest and in also, you know, 25 versus 28 is pretty different or 24 even right is is pretty different mindset but yeah I think that's where I'd be I think I'd be like you know full send let's go party around Europe kind of uh mentality yeah interesting well I think what you've described sounds like really good goals and I think like besides the reasons for having maybe a more mature managed expectation for what you're looking for I think that it's going to be a really I don't know if you go for it the way that you're saying you're going to go for it. I think it's going to be such a rich, like mature adult experience that a lot of people don't have the chance to do. And it's just really cool. They get to go live abroad. Right. Um, and you know, I'm not naive enough to think I'll accomplish all of it, but if I get any one component, that'll feel pretty good. And again, from some of the, the anxiety side of things, I think that will really make me feel good about my time here. And then put it in perspective of like, well, 30 feels close. And that does bring on a lot of like thoughts of like, oh man, where's my life going? I think if I accomplish any one of those things, it'll remind me that like, oh no, I am still young and there's plenty of time to transition into new career fields and, and learn new things. Yeah. I feel a little bit responsible not to be so egotistical that you wouldn't have thought of this yourself. But one of the first things I said to you when you said you were going to Italy was I was like, oh my God, you're going to be 30 by the time you live in the U.S. again. And I, it's true, but it's not, uh, wasn't the nicest thing to say. And it's also not the right mindset to have because I think 30 is fine and there's not, doesn't need to be something so dramatic about it. But I am curious to see if we end up talking about that type of thing on the podcast a lot, since I do feel like you're living abroad in your twenties is sort of a thing regarding this. So I, I'm going to formally apologize for saying that to you. It was 100% the first time that thought occurred to me. So I do thoroughly blame you and I appreciate the apology and <laughs> we can work through it together in this moment. Um, yeah, no, it's funny because it, on the one way it's like, wow, you spent your twenties abroad on the other hand. And that's part of what, you know, your comment made me think about like, I miss my twenties in the States. So it's like double-edged, right? Like I'm 
I still think the decisions make sense for who I am and what I want out of life. But there is another side of it is like, I was 24 the last time I lived in the United States. And that's so strange to think about. Um, so there's no right or wrong. Um, it just, it is something that leads me on that roller coaster of thought. Well, if it makes you feel any better about missing your 20s in the States, uh, I am 26 and I think I'm acting like I'm like 39. <laughs> so I feel like COVID made us all miss our 20s anyway. And I personally haven't really returned to still living in my 20s. So it may have happened. <laughs> That's anyway. fair. Yeah. I mean, if, if there is a six year period to not live in the United States, this is probably it. <laughs> so that definitely crosses my mind as well. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want on the record? Anything else you want to say as some of your last words in the U.S. before you get to Italy? I mean, I've, I think I've set future me up for a whole lot of work already. So I they're pretty list. managed goals. You've got a couple years. I think you, I think yeah. you uh, put yourself in a good position. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I, you know, I have highs and lows, especially over this last month as it became more real. Um, but overall, I would say I'm excited um, and looking forward to it. Um, well, as a completely organic for the first time ever compliment, your hair looks really nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have pink hair now for everyone who cannot see. Um, and it's funny because this will probably like release so much after I have pink hair. So obviously everybody already knows, but, um, what I've been saying in the last week is that this is my only personality trait like erase everything else you knew about me before now I am just somebody with pink hair and that's it so fully new person and only things <laughs> that I do post pink hair are part of my personality so I have baked uh bread already so that's now part of my personality again but <laughs> took a few days if you have any baking accidents with your bread it'll be all the more evident now I know <laughs> I know I was like thinking that I mean not that I wouldn't like put my hair up before but I was like cooking or something the other day and I was just like nope I'm gonna know so fast I actually have thought about that a lot before too because with Sam's bright uh red hair I still every once in a while I find her hairs in my apartment and it's been months since she's been here but I'll like deep in the couch or like in my bathroom yeah. somewhere, just like come across a red hair. And I'm like, unmistakable. Like there's never ever been anyone else with this hair in my apartment. So now I'm the culprit of that exact. <laughs> I do like the, the gradient that you did, like just the bottom. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so well, first of all, we'll get into your stuff. Rachel's in Italy now. And the last time we talked, you were not, so we'll get into that, but we're talking about me for now. Um, yes, it has a nice gradient. I was originally going to do something a lot more subtle, like just maybe a little bit underneath or something. Um, and then I had been given advice to go a little bigger. So I was thinking on that. I was like, I don't know, maybe I should like, so I had been thinking about that. And then, uh, my house almost burned down and my hair appointment was like a day and a half later. And I was like, yeah, nothing matters. Why not have pink hair? <laughs> like, you know? So yeah, the whole, it was like a three hour appointment. And she just kept being like, I'm so glad you decided to like go for it. <laughs> and for our listeners, you are currently in your apartment now. It's yeah. okay. Livable yep. back home. Yep. My nothing actually burned down or technically got that close to burning down, but 
Uh, Rachel and I spoke when she was in the airport on Saturday and then maybe mm, like 15 hours later, I woke up to fire alarm in my apartment going off and, uh, there was no fire in my apartment, but there was like a smoke smell. So I went, I kind of investigated, made sure nothing in my apartment was on fire or smoking. And then I went outside and my apartment building is like very old and it's a small building for an apartment. Like there's not that many units. Um, and I run outside and I see that there's fire coming from the basement. So called the fire department, Long story short, everything was fine because luckily the fire melted a water line and the water line put out the fire completely. So in the end, it didn't spread, uh, but it was really scary and apparently made me pretty existentialist. So we'll see. (laughs) I don't technically that's not allowed to be a part of my personality. Me having my house almost burned down is not a part of my personality because it happened pre pink hair. So this is a one and done story, (laughs) but I don't know, maybe a fire safety focus perhaps is a little bit of part of my personality because I think I've been doing that post pink hair. But yeah, hopefully there will never be any follow-ups to that or anything else to discuss. Ultimately, everything's completely fine. Uh, but now I'm a person with pink hair. You never got into Game of Thrones, did you? No, I did not. Okay. I don't think I will. Sorry. There's a character who dyes her hair as like a leaving behind her old self kind of thing. Oh, well, I guess apparently I'm channeling her even though I don't know anything about it. Is it uh, Cersei? No, Cersei's hair got cut off, um, which was its own fun. Um, you know, the Sophie Turner, who's married to Joe Jonas now? Sure. <laughs> okay, well. Um, so just real quick, the only reason I asked if it was Cersei is because that is the single name I know in Game of Thrones. <laughs> so um, anything you're about to say is going over my head, but you can say it for, for everyone else. <laughs> it was the character played by Sophie Turner. Nice. People who know, know. What color did she dye her? Changed her personality. Uh, she dyed it like so. She had like a lighter red, and she just kind of dyed it dark to like show like a I don't know mature like growing up being more serious. Some terrible things happened to her that prompted it, but that's nice. Nice. Uh, well, I would say my story is the opposite then because I went (laughs) crazier, younger, uh, less serious. (laughs) So. Anyway, that's enough anyway. about my hair. Um, so how's Italy? Let's let's catch up. So last yeah. we heard you were about to get on the plane. How's your flight? How's how's it been? Have you eaten anything good? What what's what's your status? Um, the flight itself was really not that bad. Uh had a very, very short layover in Atlanta, which for anybody who's been through that airport, um, can be stressful because it's massive but it was it was like just the right amount of time right like it, it got from my gate that I arrived at and then just like basically walked right on the plane um so it just kind of took out all the waiting time and then more reasonable layover for where I checked into the EU in Paris so a little more time to work with like a little bit of waiting at the gate but kind of like the right amount where you're you're not exhausted but you get to stretch your legs for a little bit nice. but I think the efficiency of the travel set me up for failure Uh, Because when I arrived at my destination airport, it was like a smallish airport. Mm. And I had two check bags, one like a smaller backpack that made it just fine. And then I had like an enormous bag that I had pretty much all of my clothes and toiletries in. Like the main thing I was going to be living off of um, for the time being. Mm -hmm. And that did not make it with me right away. 
um, and apparently toiletries. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, there is like only two flights a day from Paris. So I was like, well, it's not here now, and I had arrived at like 11 a.m. or something like. But it might be here at you know 11 p.m. for the next flight. Um, so I did not get the monster bag at that time, but luckily by the next day I called the airport and they had it. So no major drama there. I just had to get some, had to buy some clothes to sleep in a toothbrush <laughs> and stuff for one night. Um, but yeah, I think it's just A, because it was so huge and B, like I was fairly efficient on the transfers that like it just didn't yeah. keep up with me. Yeah, your bag might not be as efficient. Yeah. Well, as far as horror stories go, that's definitely not up there and it's good that it was just like one day. So that's, that's good. Yeah. And I feel like I had just put it out in the universe. Like I'd said something about like, oh yeah, you know, I never trust bags, but Hey, I haven't had any problems before. And then sure enough, like it doesn't, doesn't follow me there. And, um, I got lucky that it showed up the next day, but I didn't know that was going to happen. Right. Like it could have turned into right. much, much bigger deal. Um, anyway, so travel was, was good. And then, um, so that was Sunday morning that I arrived at uh, the airport here in Italy and went to my hotel, went, picked up something to sleep in and <laughs> toothbrush and everything. And then my coworkers like ordered a pizza to be delivered to my hotel. Aww. Uh, yeah, it was That's really so nice. nice. It was pretty much just like a typical like margarita pizza, but here I had, uh, texted a friend, my description, cause we were, we were talking about <laughs> She ate half the pizza with me. So talking about how we were going to like compare pizzas during our time here to what we're used to in the States or just compare in general. So, uh, so basically this was a delivery pizza, right? Uh, so when I think American delivery pizza, and I'm sure you can relate, I think like cheese forward, very yeah. rich, lots of just melty cheese. Basically you want um, warmed dough cheese presented to you as quickly as possible. Um, mm-hmm. So I think cheese forward, melty cheese, garlic flavor, like a soft crust, a buttery crust. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of with delivery pizza, right? So this pizza here in Italy was definitely more acid forward, I would say. The highlight was definitely more tomatoes and the basil, um, but it was like a richer, you know, like delivery in the delivery pizza in the States, like the tomato sauce is just kind of like a wet factor, right? There's not a ton of flavor coming from the sauce itself. Um, it's just kind of like there, but this definitely had like a stronger tomato flavor, um, a stronger basil flavor. So that was kind of nice. And then the cheese, it wasn't like spread out all across it, which is like these globs of good mozzarella. So the cheese wasn't the main show, but the bites of cheese that you got were like really delicious and a higher quality than the shredded cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the biggest difference was the crust though. It was like a crunchier crust. Um, oh yeah. And it, it wasn't flavored, you know, it wasn't like they put a whole bunch of flavorings into it, made it super buttery, you know, made it kind of more of the show, no cheese in the crust or anything like that. It was really just like the surface that touched the oven. That's what the crust was. Right. Um, so the crust was definitely different. So there's definitely like a comfort food factor that I think American delivery pizza gives you, but based on just this one time delivery pizza analysis comparison, um, I would say like for taste, um, I would give the advantage to Italy. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Shockingly. <laughs> In conclusion. <laughs> right. Um, 
But the American pizza, I still think has an advantage in terms of just like you need that like instant <laughs> warm cheese yeah. satisfaction. Like that certainly was what I expect from delivery food. Yeah. The biggest, I know I said the crust was the biggest difference, but the most shocking difference, they don't slice pre-sliced pizza. <gasps> Wait. So <laughs> this this was delivery pizza in a box. The, the whole and then method just you're of up to your own devices and your back yeah. was lost. <laughs> it was it was indistinguishable from an American delivery. The box looked just the same. They were still like driven to us, handed to us, still warm. But like we went in and we literally like <laughs> grabbed whole. <laughs> you each have the whole pizza. You're yeah, doing like a lady store. in the tramp with pizza. <laughs> So we're like, what is this? And oh my god! Like heathens, we cut it without a roller. You know, we just use a regular <laughs> knife. Um, so we did have like a knife on hand, but no like cute little pizza roller or anything. So yeah, delivery pizza, not sliced. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah, I have so so many thoughts. I actually should have been writing them down because I have like a thousand things to say. First, I find it very interesting that you're comparing delivery pizzas specifically especially because I just realized, I don't think we talked about this in the other recording, but like, this was your first pizza in Italy ever, right? Like you've literally never been to Italy. And so this was your first. So like in my mind, I like the idea that you're doing delivery comparison. I think that was the right call, but it's just funny because it's also just Italy versus America. Like it's your first Italian pizza ever. Um, I wanted to like, keep this data point in its context, you know, like, yes, is a no, that's data the right point. call. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And give it plenty of time to blossom from, from the totality of my pizza experience by the time I leave. Um, yeah. And then I do feel like there's an understanding of delivery pizza as a certain type of pizza in the States. Mm-hmm. One could argue it's the most universal pizza in the States because <laughs> each city has its regional variant, but like delivery pizza is going to be fairly similar no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think what I'm finding the most interesting because I hadn't even thought of delivery pizza in Italy. That's not even a thought that had crossed my mind. Also, do they have any of the big pizza chains? Cause certainly some countries do. I have, I, I don't think so. I can't imagine. I remember right? reading that like. <laughs> That'd I, don't, so I don't remember which one it was. Maybe Domino's like tried yeah. and like just, <laughs> you know, like, in Parks um... and Rec. Two <laughs> salads okay, in fair. Parks and Rec. <laughs> just like. Um, I want to say it's Papa that. John's was huge in the, like in Ireland, probably the rest mm. of the UK, but I remember it being big in Ireland. Um, it was terrible, like horrible, like worse than <laughs> America Papa John's. But I have had pizza in Italy and what I'm also finding interesting, again, very much respect the standardized, like you got delivery pizza. So we're talking about delivery pizza, but what you're describing sounds a lot like the pizza I've had in Italy that was non-delivery. So I'm very curious over time, maybe we can note this as something we check in on, (laughs) but like over time, you're pizza rankings and like if you do end up noticing a difference in quality because like you said there is a distinguishable thing in the U.S. like when you're ordering delivery in general you kind of know that you're sacrificing a certain type of pizza option because you're choosing to do delivery and not like go to a pizza restaurant so yeah I'm curious to hear and I'm surprised like the pizza I have had in Italy I've only been to Rome uh the pizza I had in Rome came sliced for sure 
I probably had pizza two or three times. I mean, I was only there for like a day or two, so uh, not a ton to right. work with, but I'm very curious if that's a trend, if it's regional or if it was just this one place or if it was a mistake or if it's every delivery pizza. Like I have so many questions about the slicing. Right. And that was, that was what our thoughts were, mm-hmm. right? Like, was this a mistake? Um, so we asked our coworkers and they're like, no, delivery pizza, like you tend to have to pay extra to get it sliced. Oh, Um, I think it's, yeah, I think um, in a restaurant, right, it'll come to you in an edible way. But the other side of it is, I think what they were saying is like most pizzas tend to be like a personal pizza size. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a mix of that. I think like that they're, they're used to it being in a manageable size where they don't have to worry about cutting it. And then also like delivery pizza, they assume that you can cut it yourself and it gets there and maybe it like preserves the heat better without the slices and then the integrity of the cheese or whatever. Um, in any case, it does, at least according to my coworkers, seem to be a trend for delivery pizza specifically. Gotcha. That's fascinating. Um, secondly, was your friend that ate the pizza with you? Was this also her first Italian pizza ever? Yes. She, um, she's the one who, was sent here on the same flight itinerary as me. Right. So we like traveled here together, which was great. Um, and even though I've done a bit of traveling by now, I was just like, <laughs> I was in follow mode. Um, yes. so she did the heavy lifting on getting from gate to gate and <laughs> taking us through customs and stuff. Um, Love that. <laughs> and I just arrived in Italy, um, which my penance was having my bag not delivered. She got all of her bags on time. Um, but yeah, this was also her first uh, Italian meal. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that's fun that you got to share your first Italian pizza with somebody else who hadn't been to Italy. I mean, I assume she hasn't been to Italy, not that she just went to Italy and didn't eat pizza. That would be, (laughs) but, um, okay. And third, did you take pictures of this pizza? Absolutely not. No, no, (laughs) that's so sad. You described it and we're going to release an audio of you describing and us talking about this pizza for like, what, 45 minutes (laughs) and we can't post a picture. Um, so making a note right now that you need to take more food pictures so that when this comes up in the future, that can be a part of what we post on our Instagram is references. Uh, because I'm distraught personally that I can't see the description. <laughs> I will defend myself with saying that was like, yeah, your travel yeah. <laughs> 24 plus hours. Not sure if I'm ever going to see all my possessions again, um, <laughs> Fair. but your, your point stands. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should get pizza from the same place in the future and take a picture and we can pretend like this, you know, it's the same pizza, yeah. even though it wasn't the literal one. Yeah. I'll text my friend and she shows a picture, but I know the answer. (laughs) Oh no. All right. Well, we're we're learning lessons. Um, Okay. So that was a really good pizza tangent. I'm trying to think if there's anything. So that was, that was like a week ago now that you had just arrived. You had your first pizza, you dealt with the baggage, anything else of significance as far as adjusting to Italy and food (laughs) and anything else in between uh, in the last week? I would say one interesting thing. Um, so Japan's an island, and that was Japanese cuisine, Eastern cuisine versus more Western cuisine. So I'd say grocery shopping here. Mm-hmm. I've been blown away by the produce options. Oh my god, um, it's really good, and it's it's pretty cheap um, as compared to having lived on an island in Asia. And a lot of the produce is stuff that I'm familiar 
uh, working with. Whereas sometimes in Japan, you know, you'd have to kind of find substitutions or learn to cook with those ingredients, which is a good thing, but definitely took a little more brain power at the end of a workday kind of thing. So it's been nice to go to produce sections here and just like know what I'm getting, getting good cheap stuff and being able to cook with that. I have mm-hmm. cooked a couple times and those are just recipes that I've made before, right? Nothing Italian, but. Um, so you're current, you're currently in like a temporary, you're in a hotel for now, right? And you yeah. said there's like a kitchenette. So it's yeah, not going to be well, fully what you'll have in the future, but for now right. you have something to work with. And I know you had mentioned to me a few days ago, like you, you know, based on how busy you've been in the last several months in the U.S. and also just kind of visiting people and being a guest, you hadn't been cooking much since you left Japan, basically. Right. So was, yeah. This is like kind of your first time getting back in the kitchen for a while in a big way. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I will, I am looking for an apartment, so I'll find a permanent apartment soon and then hopefully have even more of a routine with cooking, which I think will be key because when I go out to eat, it will be impossible not to order either pizza or pasta, not because there aren't other options, but because that's what I'm going to order. So I, I <laughs> Just go order fettuccine out. Alfredo everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> like yesterday I was hanging out with um, some friends who have been here for a while and we got pizza for lunch. So second pizza, also good. Um, and then for dinner, I, I got rigatoni and it's like, those are both really good and the right decision. But like, I was laying there in bed, just like, oh my God, I am so full and I can't do this. You'll adjust. <laughs> You'll get yeah. used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your, your stomach will learn. <laughs> yeah. I think the cooking at home thing, uh, <laughs> which is like a different kind, right? Like in Japan, uh, I was eating a lot of like salty food. So it was nice to cook at home as a break. And then mm-hmm. here it's going to be just very filling, carby deliciousness that I need to just cut with, with yeah. uh, lighter meals. So clear broth for your next meal. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the significant food adventures thus far. Um, and then my, my big outing, my big activity so far, I went to a soccer game yesterday a football game um which evidently the team is very good apparently it's one of the best teams in Europe I have no understanding of European soccer leagues like I don't know when the season is I I guess this was like their last game until the holidays are over like their next game's in January I don't know if this was the end of a season and January will mark the beginning of another season or if this is just like a holiday break like I truly don't know um and I also don't know what league they're in, who they play against. I feel like I heard they played against Liverpool. I don't know if that's like a cross league, Mm -hmm. just one time thing, or if they're in the same league, I have no idea. Um, Whatever the case may be, everybody says they're doing really well this year. (laughs) And it was a very exciting experience. Lots of songs that everybody knows, um, (laughs) which seem to be like, not just like a a pop song that you sing, like Sweet Caroline or something like that, but like a team (laughs) song that you're singing for the football team and they got very into it. They, you know, they really, it was a nice little chant. Um, And then, yeah, just a lot of enthusiasm from the fans and they do everything they can to like prevent riot. Right. So between the stands and the field, which I don't think it's called a field (laughs) pitch, maybe, I don't know, whatever the term is comment below. There's like, 
they have like a moat. So oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> there's no water in it. But like clear <laughs> drop compression. Yeah, there's a trench. Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't think it would be impossible to, to jump from the stands <laughs> across, but it definitely takes more effort than just storming the field. And then there was a hose that was already like a little bit rolled out, like staged, ready to go. And like some discussion on whether that is a fire prevention method <laughs> or a riot prevention method. I'm leaning towards riot prevention, but there was a hose very clearly like not far from us on the, on the, um, like other side of the track there. So they're um, just ready to, they're just ready they're just to ready. slam down. Yeah. <laughs> they're ready to turn the trench into a moat at <laughs> exactly. any moment. And uh, this, I don't know how they do from a coding perspective. And there must be a lot of like planning that goes into it, or maybe not because it's not a country that necessarily, I don't know. It's a bit of a chaotic system of not system sometimes. Okay. But they each like, you know, how you go into a stadium and your ticket is section 23 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, each section is like fenced off from every other, sec- every other section. So like, okay. I can't, like, I can only enter in my assigned section and I can't enter any other section. So I think they're trying to segment the crowd so that <laughs> you can't really like come together. Yeah. And rise. But yeah, I, there seem to be a lot of measures in place. The effectiveness of them, I can't attest to because things didn't get too, too bad. Uh, clearly you noticed all these measures, but were you getting the sense that like you were like, were you feeling worried at all? Or just like, you know, feeling like there, it was valid that they had all those measures was like, was it rowdy? Not really. Um, I had some apprehension because the friend I went with that had a really bad experience. He, okay. this was his, his third match. He'd been to one that was fine. And then apparently his second one was traumatizing. Like it got really bad. So that was mostly the source of my anxiety, not anything that I was directly observing in the moment, but just mm-hmm. knowing his story that things could turn. It was funny because I, we got there um, for the second half, which I'm kind of glad we did. Like it was the right amount of time to be there when I'm still taking in everything. Mm-hmm. So by the, by the time we got there, the home team was up to, to nothing, two to nil. And they scored another one, you know, within five or 10 minutes of, of us being there. But then the opposing team did that thing where you get like two rapid goals, right? So they got one goal and then within four minutes, they had a second goal. So there was three to two. And we're like, this this is a more exciting game, objectively, right? Closer scores are exciting, but like there's a line we want to like ride here, right? Like We can't lose because then we might not get home. But honestly, things really did not get bad at all. People were just very animated. So I would say it'd be like one of those cities like Oakland or Philly, right? Where there's just like this um, stereotype about fans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it it was just like a lot of energy, very engaged audience that was very expressive. But I didn't didn't feel like we were like boiling or anything like that, like something was going to happen. I. I don't know that they were justified, but I'm sure they're there for a reason. Um, but the one thing that did kind of, especially in light of the the discussion of large crowds and safety of that and stuff, a lot of secondhand smoke. A lot of people were smoking in the stadium, um, mm. just right there in the seats. Um, so it's just a you know difference, but gotcha. it is really exciting, really fun. Like I yeah, said, lots that of songs, cool. lots of flags. Um, yeah, I did not make, expect like, you to already have sporting event stories in your first week. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty fantastic. Uh, one of my my good good friends from college is here, and <laughs> I was like getting ready for work one morning, and I got a text from him. He's like, "My girlfriend and I bought you tickets to a soccer game. We're going to a oh. soccer game at this time on Saturday. Be ready." I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have plans. So nice. Wow, uh, 
Well, cool. it was great. They, yeah, they were very, very good hosts. Um, and they helped me like just get out and around a little bit more than I had been. It was really fun. Nice. Do you yeah. feel like you're going to go to more? I know you said you don't understand the schedule at all, but do you think you want to go to more uh, games in the future? Yes. I would love to go to more in Japan. I would, you know, it was COVID, so we didn't have a ton of opportunity, but when, when things were safe, um, I really enjoyed going to baseball games there. So right. I feel like this is going to be my equivalent, except I'm going to be learning a lot more. You know, I've never been yeah. a big football fan. Um, yeah. This from was what the... you've described about baseball games in Japan, this sounds like pretty polar opposite energy. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be a running theme for me yeah. is polar opposite energy mm-hmm. <laughs> from Japan. Just <laughs> broad strokes. I would say whatever direction a scenario is going here would be going the opposite direction. <laughs> um, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just different. Yeah. I, polar opposite energy feels like the right phrase to describe this experience from uh, Japan. Well, that's cool. That sounds like a very eventful week. Lots of firsts with food, lots of getting used to things. Any um, language barrier issues that you've run into? So we tried to recreate the pizza ordering experience on our own. And we found an app and the, the transaction on the app went fine. The pizza was prepared. We had a delivery person, like there was no issue ordering the food, getting it ready. But we had asked the front desk about like how to put in the address. And we thought we, we found a good solution, but we did not put in an address that was actually usable to the driver, evidently. And the driver calls, realizes, even though I put in the comments, like, does not speak Idiot. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't try talking to no. us. We are dumb. <laughs> right. If I were in his shoes, I would probably wouldn't read the comments on an order strip, right? I just go to the yeah, restaurant. I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. go to the address. And so he's trying to say like, your address is unusable. And I was trying to describe where we are and he didn't have bad English, but it just was not, it, you know, when a conversation just reaches a point where, you know, you're not going to get the critical information communicated. Um, and so I hung up and I tried to text him, but I don't, he either didn't get my texts or wasn't a texting number or whatever. So while the act of ordering the app worked great, um, we did not ultimately get our pizza. Which, you know, we learned and I think we could get it right next time. But did you was, talk to them like you understood the exact problem? Did you talk to the front desk? Did you scold them for giving you bad info? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't their fault. I think it, it was it was not an app where you could put your location on a map. I think that would have solved yeah. every issue because I never had a problem in Japan ordering off of similar apps. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think if if the app had the map feature, easy day. Um, yeah. which is another daily reminder of how dependent I am on a phone plan connectivity in general to, to get through yeah. an abroad experience. Like I can't imagine moving here and not having the internet constantly in my pocket. Yeah. Um, the hotel being a weird address or having a hard time putting that in that specifically won't be a long-term problem for you since you'll move and you'll have the place that yeah. you I assume you'll learn your address and traditional you'll be able to order pizza yeah. in the future yeah that is yeah, frustrating exactly. though to be in that moment of like we both understand there's a problem we can't speak each other's language yeah. or yeah you just can't get there <laughs> I just felt really bad like I can I can get other food right like I know yeah. who's at fault here it's me but like I just felt bad for like the effort he was putting into doing his job right. and like this is another order that you're not delivering because you're spending time on this order and 
that was the big language barrier I faced so far. Other than that, like, I wouldn't say that everybody speaks English or goes out of the way to speak English, but I haven't encountered uh, any anybody who doesn't understand what we're asking for. By any means. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, well, that's nice. Classic, you know, being catered to as the American, as expected. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this traveling thing's so easy. <laughs> On the topic of language, have you learned any new words this week? I think we've talked about this being a recurring yeah. segment. <laughs> All right. You tell, me, you tell me what uh, I'm saying. Due cappuccini per favore. Two cappuccinos, please. Yep. <laughs> Classic. Apparently, wow, it takes saying- me back to Boston. <laughs> I think I'm saying para favore wrong, like completely. Mm. Um, and I think that's going to be a tough one that's like Spanish in my head, right? Um, right. You just want to keep, yeah. yeah. I think the um, pair, like, I don't know how to say per, right? Per, per. That was, that was like a, a moment for me. I switched my, my Google Translate and my phone over oh, from man. English to Japan, Japanese to English to Italian. Wow, big moment. Yeah, really, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up for Italian lessons. It's such a musical <laughs> language. I really think it will be fun. Um yeah, it I sounds beautiful. It. Yeah, it really does. Like I feel like you could just record a conversation in Italian, put some music on in the background, and it's a song. Like it's just musical, you know? Yeah. Um, how are the cappuccinos? Delicioso. <laughs> wow, now I want a cappuccino. I want to be so when we were in Boston, Rachel and I were in Boston <laughs> together for a few days this, so, well, like September, a um, couple months before you moved and we stayed near the like Italian part of Boston and we just would get like, we just got so many cappuccinos and we would just like walk out. I was working from our hotel and we would just like walk out, go get a cappuccino and like a bunch of cannolis and then just go back and eat the cappuccino and cannolis so now I'm just craving that when I think about that so mm-hmm. well yeah do you have like good stuff that's walkable for you currently as far as like cafes or anything like that is that something um, you're looking for in your apartment is the better question something I'm looking for in my apartment okay. I think a, I will find more active places to live um for my apartment I think I'll there's not a ton near this hotel right now oh my god so um my friend's apartment who I went to uh, for like the soccer game and stuff mm-hmm. um she has like a full like rooftop terrace for her apartment like like it's split with the apartment next door but it's a good amount of space on a rooftop um and it's close to the bay like right on the water so you just have this waterfront view in her apartment like you just walk out to a terrace that's the goal with some restaurants and cafes nearby like honestly you know um I was hanging out with a a group of people who all live in that area and and they have a lot of um strong recommendations for that area so I think that's where my search will begin but yeah if, if I just had like you know just like a cafe that I start my day at and then uh a nice few restaurants to choose from pick a favorite pizza place you know I'll be happy. Sweet. That sounds amazing. Uh, I'm very excited to visit. That's been my most common question in the last couple of weeks <laughs> is every time I tell people that my sister's in Italy, they're like, when are you visiting? I'm like, I don't, I am visiting. I will <laughs> visit. I promise I'll visit. I just don't know the day yet. So uh, yeah, it's going to have to become a serious planning thing soon because I'm going to very immediately get jealous every time we talk. <laughs> 
would recommend you wait until I have a home. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, I'm not that. booking a ticket for like next week, but uh, it's tempting. <laughs> we'd figure it out if you did. <laughs> so but, true. Well, and you know, when people bring it up with me, they're like, and, and she works remote, right? So she can just figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe someday I'll work remotely from Italy with you. I'll just yeah. uh, sublease my apartment for like two months and go be Italian say, and then come like, back with the- for your lease to be out. That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, that would be pretty cool. Um, well, I think the as many Denver stereotypes as they are, there are people love to complain about how there's no good pizza here. So I think the perfect storm of a nightmare of a person <laughs> here would be somebody who has spent an extended amount of time in Italy and then comes back and I'm like, Denver has no good pizza. They I have spent three months in Italy. The pizza here is nothing like the pizza in Italy. <laughs> I think. This will be a bit more scattered than future episodes. Yeah. The the only thought I'll leave with is, um, and we touched on this a little bit in the airport, right? Like that I, having come off of living abroad for a few years, right? Like Mm -hmm. was nervous about accepting another position abroad right away, Mm -hmm. Um, especially being kind of in my late 20s and thinking more (laughs) about like, what adult things should I be doing? So I had a lot of apprehension, I feel like, for the whole time that I was in the States over the past few months that, like, people would ask me if I'm excited. I'm like, I think I will be, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I, like, I I couldn't muster up a whole lot of enthusiasm in the moment just because I felt a little, little burnt out from being abroad. Um, But I kept trying to be positive about, like, once I arrived, I would say that was true. Like, um, as soon as we were, like, on approach into the airport, right? And I started to see the coastline and the like Italian homes and like these ancient stone structures here and there, like just even on approach. And then like, I I hadn't even like had my mindset here at all, right? Like I was focusing on being in the States and then I was gonna figure it all out when I arrived. Like I didn't even put together like the history of of where I am in itself and like the mountains nearby, the volcano and stuff like that. Like I didn't even like, oh my god of course it's right there you know so like on approach beautiful weather seeing the coastline seeing the mountains seeing the countryside and just really like taking it all in I was like okay this is going to be really cool um so I would say that excitement has definitely helped throughout the week and I do think like now that I'm here I'm realizing the travel opportunities I'm realizing the cuisine opportunities and in the beautiful language and everything like that you know whether or not i if we're fully immersed into all of it, however much I learned, however much I experienced, like I'll get something out of it. And I am excited to be here. So I do think like it, I am at, at a much more positive place than I was before coming out here. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. Um, yeah. what a great update. This is going to be such a good episode. We got your airport <laughs> footage, like literally your last thoughts before getting on the plane, uh, yeah. as far as all this stuff goes. And then an immediate follow-up. This is so exciting. Um, but yeah. I'm really glad to hear that and that the excitement is really setting in. Cool. All right. Someday we'll have to think of a way to like sign off each episode, but for now I'm just going to click stop. Yeah. <laughs> 